Foodbike Stalking Tech is supported by Dropbox, trusted by 8 million Australians to keep their files safe, synced and easy to share with anyone. Try Dropbox for business free for 30 days at dropbox.com slash business. Hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from YourTechLife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from TechGuide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening, thank you for downloading. We are sitting here together, as promised last week, Stephen, um, while you were overseas, uh, we promised that we'd get together this week, and we are here, actually, high up in the city at Telstra's headquarters. Yes, we are. We're uh, First of all, great to see you again, Trevor. It's been a while uh, that we've been together. But yeah, we're here. Telstra got some nice uh, end-of-year drinks and I understand some really nice canapes to serve. Oh, yeah. There won't be party. I'll put it. I'll put it on the table right now. It's five twenty-four. Uh, the the drinks start in half an hour. There won't be party pies and sausage rolls. It'll all be fancy yeah. pants. So Trevor, sophisticated diet. And yeah. uh, immature palate, I think it's called. Uh, we decided. Um, we are here to talk the latest tech. You can follow us on Twitter. I am Twitter. I am at Trevor Long. Stephen is at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Uh, and you want to have a chat about anything you hear in the show? Use this hashtag Ziggy Zaggy. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. Well, Stephen, you've just got back from the States, and it was actually a really critical time of the year in terms of of tech in the States because it was Thanksgiving, which is not critical for tech, but the Friday, the day after Thanksgiving and the kind of subsequent weekend is what's known as Black Friday, Cyber Monday, massive deals on technology. What did you see on the ground? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was my very first Thanksgiving, actually, Trevor. I've never been in America for Thanksgiving. Never given thanks before? I have given thanks before, but it, I've never spent the fourth Thursday in November that's when Thanksgiving takes place. So it was uh, unusual. But, yeah, the very next day, in fact, the night of Thanksgiving, so on the Thursday night, all the stores, some of the major stores, Macy's included, were opening. At, like late at, at night? Six, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Oh, right. And there were people. I was at the Century City Macy's in Los Angeles. Oh. There was a line. It was like the Boxing Day sales of people gathering, waiting for the doors to open. And in they went. And obviously, tech was a was a big part of these sales. And you know, according to the Consumer Technology Association, who puts on CES every year, mm. there was more than fifty seven million Americans that shopped for tech either on the day or were going to be shopping across the Thanksgiving weekend with smartphones, TVs, tablets, laptops, the main products. I remember seeing in, in some stores uh, customers with big trolleys, yeah. like in the Walmarts and Best Buys, and they had a big screen television in the trolley. They knew that was the time where they were going to buy their TV. Yeah, right. And why, the reason why people are literally jumping over each other to get in. And it's interesting, those numbers, because that's the purpose of the Black Friday sales is to get people in the stores. They had this problem where th- Thursday's you know, a really important day for them. Everyone's on holidays at home, whatever. And so they have this kind of retail slump over the weekend on, on that Friday. So what they did was introduce this concept of Black Friday where they would just put on massive sales. So, you know, huge deals on, on yeah. everything from TVs, right, all the way down. There were some stores um, that were actually open on Thanksgiving. Like, for all, all Americans will tell you that Thanksgiving's probably bigger than Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Every, it's a massive holiday. 
yet there were stores, like I spent the day in Santa Monica and the Third Street Promenade, which is a very popular shopping area, many of the stores were open on that day with their 40% off store-wide. You know, these are probably clothing stores, no tech stores. But sure. Just, it just goes to show how big the shopping period is in Thanksgiving. Everyone's gearing up for it. And we don't have it here. We had the bloody click frenzy thing, which has now just become a commercialised thing because they do it several times a year. It's not really... The concept of Black Friday was, was lost on the people that started Click Frenzy because they're just doing it for the money. But the interesting thing is we're going to see some big sales this weekend. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of news over the last kind of three days about Dick Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, their share price has tanked. I mean, I, look, I'm not a stock market finance reporter, but what I observe is that, you know, two years ago, the company was floated for $500 million, like 18 months after Woolworth sold it for $100 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the shares that were then $2.20 have, have went down to $0.20, cents, have gone back up to 45 or so. Mm-hmm. So it turns out uh, apparently Dick Smith's going to have a massive sale this week and they're just going to try and clear a bunch of excess yeah. stock. They say that in planning their year they bought too much and yeah. sales haven't been as high as they hoped. They've, they've downgraded all their forecasts and the like. And so it looks like they're going to have sales. They're talking 70% up to 70% off. So they're just going to clear the daylights yeah. out of their warehouse. My understanding is they've got a lot of lot of stock, as you said, but it's older stock they've had for months. So you know, you know like anything, a year-old laptop's a lot less than a brand-new laptop. Mm. So hence the reason why you're going to see some significant markdown. So... Uh, you know that that's that's the whole challenge, isn't it, for a retailer? And you know, obviously, companies like Apple and Samsung, they obviously their their flow through their sales are a bit stronger. Hmm. But a retailer really has to judge how much predict- of this stock do I buy, yeah. who, who's going to buy it, when are they going to buy it, how long do I have to hang on to it? Because look, it's not only is it the inventory's taken up where store uh, space in their warehouse. Hmm. But then they've got to bring it through and try to sell it. Now they're faced with a situation where it's almost like a fire sale. You know, everything's got to go. And what's interesting here is that normally in electronics retail, you've got JB Hi-Fi, uh, Harvey Norman, Dick Smith, and then the good guys and a few others, Bing Lee. But if Dick Smith, so I expect Dick Smith will hit the papers tomorrow with big like ads for their sales. And so that's going to mean that Jerry's going to have to do the same. Like He won't go as crazy, but there, this will be our own pseudo cyber weekend black Black friday because you're going to be able to walk into stores and say do you want me to take it away now do you want me to put that tv in my trolley and you better get a good deal yeah well i think dick smith have been pretty aggressive in the last few weeks you know with with dick's deals like a daily deal Mm. they've been advertising so any store you walk into dick smith you 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 kind of get the impression same with jb hi-fi they're very cleverly there's big, big numbers, big signs. You walk in there and, and psychologically you think, well, geez, I'm going to pick up a bargain here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dick Smith are trying to do the same thing. And they all, they always have a lot of specials that sort of hit you in the face when you walk in the door, big signs. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what we're going to see this week. Black Friday in the States, uh, moving through to, um, I don't know, we'll call it Dick Smith Saturday uh, here in Australia. But it will be interesting. We'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on those sales, but uh, well worth checking the website, checking the papers and seeing what happens in terms of those sales on Saturday. We're in an era in an era now where you know. Remember the saying, "Cash is king." A lot of a lot of shopkeepers will tell you. Still a few around. Tradies, tradies will tell you that too. Cash is king. But in the in the case of going into a store, cash is king if you know the ATA to know about. That's right. If it's under the table, you you, we know what you're talking about. But the the whole tap and go cash contactless payment system has really taken off so much so that more people are now tapping and going rather than paying cash. Uh, Mastercard came out with some research from uh, from Galaxy that says that 66% of people 
make their cashless payments. So, sorry, 64% favour tap and go over cash. And we know, we've heard this before. Um, I think it was Combank first told me that Australia has the highest per capita rate of tap and go payments anywhere in the world. I mean, it's not surprising, but this is the whole point of, you know, we, we see it now. People would prefer to just tap away than even... like I handed over cash yesterday to a, to a shopkeeper <laughs> and I went... That was a very strange feeling. You know, I'm now got to wait for change. It was just, yeah. it was an unusual thing because I just don't do it very much. Well, for, you look at it from the retailer's perspective too. It means they're handling less cash. Right. It's quicker. So the, 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 I think one of the ads that first advertised tap and go was people in a cafe getting their coffee, getting their sandwich, really going quickly mm. through the line. And then you hear the screeching noise when someone pulls out their wallet and pays yeah. with cash. Yeah. Um, now I think that uh, a lot of the customers, according to this survey, 82% of people are st- are still believe that it's a safer way to pay as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, and, but you think about it, I thought about this, well, if someone steals your card and does makes a contactless cash-and-go, tap-and-go payment, mm. they, they, their belief is that the bank will retrieve that as right. if being, uh, being a fraudulent... That's, so that's fraudulent why the criminals do it. So the banks absorb the risk of tap-and-go because the risk of tap-and-go... Fraud, so people stealing cards and making seven hundred dollars worth of transactions in seven goes of hundred dollars, is lower than skimming used to be. So they're happy that fraud rates are lower, so they're happy to fund essentially the risk. But here's Which where it's pretty low, though, isn't it? It's not a huge risk. It has happened, I know. Oh, it happens but the absolutely. Point, the point of that is that I'm thinking, really, is it safer? But you think about it. Yes, there's that that safety net with the bank, but try to get try to get back cash that you've lost. And that's, that's the problem, impossible. right? So here's the problem the banks have. They claim that tap and go is amazing, yada, 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 and that, that, that they absorb the risk. But the problem is when I lose $200, let's say it's just 200 bucks because I, it took me an hour to work it out and before they stopped the card. You'd find that down the back of your couch, mate. Totally. But, but for the average battler, right, yeah. <laughs> um, 200 bucks. If, if it takes three weeks to get that back, that's a nightmare. Yeah. And that's the challenge the banks don't up, don't appreciate. So it was interesting that Ed Husick, the Labor member for Chifley, the federal member, um, wrote a letter this week, last week, Friday it was, to the Reserve Bank governor saying, mate, broadly, I paraphrase, it was two, it was two pages, but I've read it. He said, mate, I love Apple Pay. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, why the hell are the banks not supporting this? You need to step in and sort, sort out the fact that they don't want to give you know, a little bit of money to Apple. Apple wants to take too much money from them, make them sort it out, and more importantly, give choice to consumers. Consumers should have the choice about how they pay so that the tap-and-go, the cashless payment system, should be in the hands of the consumer. It should be technology yeah. agnostic. He, he, I spoke to him last night on the podcast, Your Tech Life, if you want to have a listen. He's a funny... Oh, I, we get on quite well, even though our politics are eh, pretty <laughs> opposite. Um, he, he's, a, he's a top bloke, and uh, he actually... He told me last night that the Reserve Bank had written back to him. They basically, I read the letter, they basically said, yeah, thanks, mate. Happy to meet with you, but essentially yeah. we can't do well, anything about it, unfortunately. How, how, since when can the government tell the banks what to do? Well, yeah. The I mean, government, to quote an Aaron Sorkin line from West Wing, the government can't tell the banks to change their breakfast order, let alone change anything else. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a tough sell. Ed's, Ed Husick's point is essentially he knows how to get publicity. He's a publicity whore. He won't mind me saying that. <laughs> And he thinks that the more we talk about it in the in the press, yeah. uh, in the papers, course, he got a yeah. bit of coverage out of it. Of course, yeah. People need to tell their banks. And I've said this, people say there's no point. Seriously, if you put pressure on your banks, they will see the call centre logs. They will see the number of people talking about it and they will be forced into introducing Apple Pay. And then you've got choice. Then you've got... You then can, you've you, also got Android Pay coming up and Samsung Pay. Everyone's got to pay. And that's, but that's also Ed's point is... 
all of those things should be embraced by all of the banks to ensure that consumers have all the choice. So technically, could a store, say I'm store ABC, mm. could my system handle Apple Pay, yeah, Android all the same. Pay, Samsung Pay? Could it's, it do that? It's nothing that? to do with the stores. That's the beautiful thing. It's yeah. the banks. So you look so at Apple Pay. So the terminals would be the same. Terminals. It's just the, well, the services I'm offering from that terminal. Apple Pay launched, what, two Fridays ago? Yeah. I put my card on uh, 6 a.m. that morning, yeah. and I used it at 11 a.m. the next morning, that, that morning. Yeah. Mate, the terminal at the Shell servo I used same. hadn't changed. Yeah. Nothing changes. We've already, that's the thing. In America, the terminals had to change because, you know, they've got those pens you've got to sign your bloody name with yeah. still. They didn't have tap and go. We have it here. So nothing needs to change and the banks need to get their stuff together. Before we wrap up on this one, mate, have a guess which state has the highest preference for contactless payments? Queensland. Thinking time? No. Western Australia. Followed by by New South Wales. So Western Australia had 77% preference for contactless payments. New South Wales second on 72%. Followed uh, by Victoria and Tasmania, both on sixty-six <laughs> percent. I think Queensland totally out of it. Well done. Yeah, I lived in Western Australia for two years, <laughs> longest decade of my life. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Two Blokes Talking Tech is supported by Dropbox, trusted by eight million Australians to keep their files safe, synced, and easy to share with anyone. Australian companies like Bauer Media Group, Campaign Monitor, Shoes of Prey, Bellroy, Suntory, they all use Dropbox for business to help their team members work together no matter where they are or what tools they use. The beautiful thing is that if you've got team members, employees who've used Dropbox personally, it's exactly the same. It's the same back end. It's the same front end. It looks the same for the users. But you as the business have administrative control over what goes on. You can protect the files and you can control the users as they log in. It's a great system. Get your whole team on Dropbox for Business today to keep your information easy to manage and secure with a 30-day trial. Try it free at dropbox.com business. Okay, are there any little kitties in the room yeah, or mums, in the car? Yeah. Mums and dads, any kitties in the room or in the car? We're okay with a fast forward at this point. If there are, if, if there are kids, you may not want to listen to all of this next segment. Uncle Trev and Uncle, and Steve, Uncle Steve need to have a talk to mum and dad. That's right. So all right, kitties, so put your earphones <laughs> on, listen to ta- Taylor Swift. What about yeah. my five-year-old daughter? He's listening to Taylor Swift. I don't even know who it was. Hey, she made me print out the lyrics to this song. <laughs> she can't read. <laughs> Okay. But she made me print out the lyrics and she walks around holding them, singing a song, okay. telling me she got all the way through it. I think the kids you, have left the podcast. You can't now. read, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe listen to the wiggles maybe then. But yeah. anyway, okay, kids are out of the room. What we're going to talk about is how the internet is actually spoiling it for the kids in, when it comes to believing in Santa. Mm. Now, there's some uh, research done that the average age where kids realise that Santa wasn't real Dropped has dropped by two years. Bombshell, I'm sorry. Just, no, well, it's dropped by two years. And the reason well, is... What, what's the age? Well, it's eight and a half has dropped to now six and a half. Or seven. Oh, so nine down to seven. I've got a nine-year-old. He's across well, it. He's anyway, not across it. He probably just doesn't want to make you feel. He still wants to get the presents you know what? in, mate. He can keep doing that till he's 16 for all life. You know, that's it, mate. You, you know, if you know, what, what's the, um, if the term? If you don't believe, you don't receive. That's right. So he's going to be doing that till he's 35. Good luck to you, Jackson. <laughs> but anyway, the culprit is the internet. The reason why kids are they're discovering they're they're on they're on the net they're googling they're they're fine they're, they're re- realizing that hang on a minute Santa's not real <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and this this is an issue I think it's an issue for you know you want your kids to believe that's the magic the magic of Christmas anyone with young kids 
that's a magic time because they believe in Santa. It's a magic time for the for yeah. the family. You know, they're they're you know they're just full of wonder. Yep. You don't want that to end. You want that to last as long as possible. Totally. So in in this in this regard, there is a way for parents to do something about it. Now there is a VPN. So a VPN, as everyone knows, is a virtual private network, and the provider. And excuse the, the, the what the name of it. It's called HideMyAss.com. <laughs> Don't know why it's that called that. Like this kind of anyway, website that needs a filter. But the, the v- <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a bit of an adult site, but it's a VPN, and as we so know, it is for adults, adults it, with it kids. is. Yes, it is. And the, but then what they've developed is a a browser plugin. So you, if your kid happens to be on the internet searching Santa using words like fake, real it can actually divert that. It can pivot that little mm-hmm. search and lead them to a lovely little picture of Santa Claus in the oh, workshop. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so anything, I think it's a good idea. It's a good, Look, you know, they wanted publicity for this story about the VPN, mm. which you know, is a good way in to demonstrate that you know, this is what else we can do. So if you do have young kids and they're on the internet, whether it's on your iPad or wherever it happens to be, or on the desktop, laptop, and you don't want them to discover that Santa isn't real, then this is the way to do it. Now, I'm going to give you two tech tips, tech dad tips for Christmas here based on Santa. Now, the first one is simple. If you live in Australia, you'll know that 1194 is the number you dial to get the talking clock, right? If you want to know what time it is, dial 1194. And on the third stroke, stroke. that's him. So what you do is you open your address book and you type in Santa Claus and you put 1194. When your kids are playing up, you say, do you want me to ring Santa Claus? (laughs) And you type type in Santa Claus and they absolutely lose their mind, right? Second thing, I found this this week. There's an app called uh, Call from Santa on iPhone. It's very, very cool. So what happened, it's the, the free version only lets you make one call, but I'd support paying the money because it's very good. You put in, is it a boy or is it a girl? Um, have they been naughty or nice? Why have they been naughty or nice? So they've been good to their brother, they've been good to their sister, whatever it might be. And you schedule a call. You can either make it happen right away or you can set a time. Your phone rings. It doesn't look like an iPhone ring, but it's got a picture of Santa. It says ring, you press the answer button. And Santa's there. He goes, hello. And he leaves time for the kid to say hello. He goes, you know, and he talks to them, leaves little gaps for them to answer really? questions. It's very good. Smart. It's very cool. Simple well, little app for parents to have well, some fun with their kids. I've got a little tech tip as well for Christmas Day. Okay. Don't forget the batteries. Oh, gosh. Always got to remember the batteries because, yeah. you know, let's face it, there's a lot of tech toys, a lot of battery-powered toys. Yeah. Well, the worst thing in the world is on Christmas Day, you can't play with it because your mum and dad have forgot the batteries. Go to Bunnings, buy a 1,000 of those Varta batteries. <laughs> there's nothing open on Christmas Day. You might go to the chemist maybe. There might be a 24-hour chemist. You'll be paying $18 <laughs> for a AA battery. But anyway, get the kids back in the room because we don't want them to, wi- to miss the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> it's been great having them listening to the Wiggles, but now it's time to come back, kids. And we do it all each and every week thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, and you can go to their website and check out the full range of Arlo smart home security cameras. Oh, breaking news. There's a new Arlo coming out. I think it'll be shown to us at CES. It doesn't have the wire free, but it is. Uh, it has return audio, so an audio monitoring. Very cool. But right now you can still buy the original Arlo, which is 100% wire free, battery powered, and wireless uh, communication back to your network. So that wherever you are in the world, so Stephen's traveling the world because he's just a jet setter, and he can check on Ziggy and Zaggy by just opening the Arlo app and seeing where they are, what they're doing, and importantly if they run into his office by opening the door because they're very smart dogs um, and he's got the Arlo camera in there, it'll actually send him an alert saying we've detected motion, it'll record the motion, it'll save it to the cloud and you can watch it anytime you like. Very easy solution, probably the easiest bit of like complex tech 
but the easiest to set up I've seen in a very long time. Arlo from Netgear. Check it out at netgear.com.au. So, Stephen, well, you, you were back this week, so you wouldn't have seen it, though, because no one reads newspapers anymore since you left the Telegraph. But in the, in the, right. in the Telegraph, there was like a one-par story about a Sydney council that's banning... Called, that's called a filler. Trevor. Yeah, right. Filler. Mate. It was a filler. Well, Leichhardt Council is full of fillers, as far as I can tell. Yeah. They've, they've announced they're banning drones from all public parks in the Leichhardt Council. Yeah. Now... I thought that's that's a silly little filler. I'm going to find out the details. So I went to the Leichhardt website. I downloaded the minutes of the meeting and I read them. And I got the mayor of Leichhardt on my podcast this week. He is probably a very lovely bloke, but when it comes to drones, he's a complete goose. Um, Hope he, he's not listening to this podcast. I don't care if he's listening. Good on him. Um, <laughs> What's he, his name? Darcy, uh, Darcy Byrne. Uh, Darcy. Good luck. You won't get my vote though. Um, luckily, I don't live in your area. Anyway, moving on. He. Um, it's probably one of the councils <laughs> going to merge. Yeah, not with, not with Hornsby. Um, <laughs> no, this is so. Anyway, he's he's decided to ban drones because they're unsafe. They're they're a breach of privacy. So <clears throat> he's unsafe. Now there was an incident in the UK only this week where a small child was injured by a drone. Like I think they've lost an eye. Now, that's an absolutely tragic incident that happened in a backyard, not at a council park. But I'm having a conversation with this bloke who's got no idea that they're not spy cameras. He's going, you can't just photograph kids. I said, mate, when the thing is 30, 40, 50 metres above, you can't Can't see see the person's face and you can hear the bloody thing like it's a helicopter. It's very obvious. Secondly, the council minutes even say they're a danger because they they could hit and bring down a fixed wing aircraft what a complete load of garbage. <laughs> Fixed-wing aircraft don't run under 500 feet, which is the limit of, of drones. Well, we should point out Leichhardt Council is just on the sort of the outside of the airport district. Here's the beautiful thing. I said to the bloke at the end of the year, I said, mate, have you actually read the drone laws? He goes, no, I haven't. I said, well, mate, your council is 50% within the five-kilometre radius of Sydney Airport, which means it's illegal to fly a drone there anyway. Oh, they're already banned. And I said, mate, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if I fly my, fly my drone there? How are they going to spot He goes, oh, well, you know, the rangers, mate, he's got nothing. They've got no way of finding you. Mm-hmm. They've got no recourse. Because they're they're just making it up as they go so along. You're heading out to Leichhardt, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna find on. a park Take and just fly to the hilt. So have you found Darcy's address, mate? You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna buzz the tower. <laughs> I say we all get down there and just fly our drones this weekend. But <laughs> I said a drone I, protest down I there. I said, mate, you should have. What you should have done was say it, there are risks and concerns, yeah. so we're gonna ban it from these 19 parks. But this one here, go for your life. That's the so drone now, park. I've got a question here, right? And like, I'm a drone enthusiast just as much as you are. Okay. I often take mine to a park because it's a nice wide open space, yeah. plenty of room to fly around. You're not peering in any, anyone's backyard. No. So, but you're photographing little kids, Stephen. No, I'm not. You're I'm going to run into a little kid. No, I'm not, though. According to Leichhardt Council, you are. Well, I don't live in Leichhardt Council, thankfully. I live in uh, the Great Botany Bay Council mm. and right next door to Randwick Council. Right next to the airport. Yeah. Near, right near the airport, you're right. Not far from the airport. But I do fly it sort of in, in the park and sort the of point away here is, from the airport. I said to him, I said, mate, do you realise the rules that CASA have put in place yeah. stay? You, you can't fly over groups of people. You're yeah. not allowed to. Buildings, populated areas. If there's huge pe- if there's lots of... I take the kids out with... With the drone yeah. regularly, yeah. and they know if we pull up somewhere and there's like ten people there, I won't fly. Can't do it, yeah. I just won't do it. I don't want to risk it. Yeah, well, it's just a common sense thing. I think um, you know. Like- uh, let's be clear: there are some idiots in the world who are ruining the common sense laws that we have. So, so- I-, I respect what they're doing in terms of thinking about it, yeah. but it's a complete load of garbage well, in terms of practicality. Kind of, you know, it's trying to break an egg with a sledgehammer, isn't it? It's a bit a bit of overkill. Here. You don't reckon that's possible? 
Well, absolutely. But uh, the, 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 was your interview with him a sort of Tracy Grimshaw style, really uh, probing and interview? Did you catch him out, mate? Like the Mike, Mike Willis, the old inner Mike oh, Willis interview? I got a couple of tweets from from our good friends Rob uh, Jolliffe and, yeah. and, and Rigby, and I think I, I got a bit of a rap from them about my interview yeah, with him. Right. I didn't so I look. I wasn't trying to rip him apart, yeah. but he needed to know that he was an idiot. And I think I got that across. Right. That's my thoughts anyway. He's standing firm, I understand. Oh, standing, so standing. Well, I said to him, I said, mate, what can the, what, what can the Leichhardt public do? He goes, oh, it's already passed, it's done. Oh, yeah, that's a great yeah, thing. But, isn't but, but are they going to employ rangers in like life? No, they're just going to put, like, so, mate, they're going to put signs up to say, don't do this. And, but, mate, they're also banning amusements and everything too. Read the minutes. If you live in Leichhardt Council, yeah. read the minutes. Darcy, they're a joke. He's got a part time job with the fun police. Mate, this is the same council that spent a whole meeting debating bloody climate change. What? It's not even a council <laughs> issue. Anyway, moving on. Uh, you want to hear the full interview with the, the, the wonderful and respected Labor um, uh, <laughs> Mayor of Leichhardt, Darcy uh, Byrne. You listen to Your Tech Life episode 300 and something. Just look for the last one. <laughs> two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Sonos. Now, we all know. We're we love a big fan. Of, love Sonos. And and what I've, what I've done... Uh, ever since I've had a Sonos machine, a Sonos speaker, is channel my Spotify account through. You know, yeah, I've been doing that recently. Brilliantly done. Well, the news, Trevor, is that uh, a little a little service called Apple Music is also going to be available. Who runs that? Yes, well, we'll ask our good friend Darcy, the uh, king, of, <laughs> king of the obvious, maybe ask him. <laughs> He'll say probably Google. <laughs> yeah, we're going uh, to see Apple Music. It's going to be a beta trial from the 15th of December. So you'll be able to run through your lovely Sonos system, the Apple Music service, and and all parts of Apple Music, including you know, your own music, the recommendations for you, the radio, and all the new releases. Oh, so you listen well. to my John Farnham radio on, yeah, on yes. Sonos. Oh. So the streams. I've, I've actually, in an um, sort nearly related matter, I've published the Spotify, the most streamed musicians of 2015. Yeah, right. Was Farnham on there? Apparently Farnham had 2 million streams, and they were all from Trevor Long. <laughs> That's it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, the Apple Music, you can take part in this beta trial that starts on December 15. Yeah, right. So you, you have to... Because this ad, you can get Spotify, you can do Google Play Music, you can do Deezy, you can do all of yeah, them. Audio until they it shut down. It was a matter of time before Apple yeah, jumped totally. on board. Well, yeah. it's smart from Apple because they, they do have that, that problem of being ecosystem-based. But now you can get Apple Music on Android, you can listen to Apple Music on Sonos. So yep. you could be a non-iPhone owner and really yes, enjoy Apple Apple Music Even through a month. PC, things, PC yeah. on a Mac, obviously on your iPhone, Android device, Android tablet. So all you need is obviously Sonos speakers sonos account and also an apple music account if you don't have an apple music account you can sign up for a free three-month trial to kick it off but december 15 is when the public beta is going to kick off it'll be then a a feature of sonos the sonos app in 2016 check it out techguide.com.au now Stephen, we're in the we're in like a boardroom building I feel like we're in the boardroom. Is this broom bug, you reckon? Probably. There's a pirate hat on. There's, there's, a, a, there's a monitor over there with a camera on it. There's a pirate yeah, hat on the floor, us. too. Yeah, what's doing with that? What's going on? There's but some, um, some I noticed kinky work going they're, on they're loitering outside the door waiting for us to finish because really? because drinks. No, drinks is on in 10 minutes. But okay. um, we do Just need to. what you say. There's a monitor with a camera we on do, I don't even know the CEO's name anymore. It used to be Thody, but I've forgotten the new bloke's oh, that's name. That's right. There's a new dude, isn't it? No, it doesn't matter. So we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And that's not me, even though I probably do need to lose some weight. Um, the the global roaming fiasco that is Telstra 
has gotten worse. Now, I call it a fiasco because they, they just don't have a competitive offer. Now, this is a company who we've wrapped massively over the last year with their new broadband deals. Andrew Penn, his CEO, we're in his office. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not really. And he's got a pirate hat in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, pirate hat because he's stealing from people when it he's comes to pirates. global roaming. No, um, so big wraps for Telstra over there. Their broadband allowances increased. They've got much more competitive Darn mobile plans. Mobile plans yeah. Fantastic year for Telstra. Yeah. But when it comes to global roaming, Optus have good zone-based um, day rates. Uh, Vodafone have the best without question. The red roaming, $5 a day, unless you don't read the text messages and get caught out when you're in yeah, Dubai. Um, so, so great plans. And Telstra have not really had anything amazing. They've had some good data packs, you know, three days, $35, 150 meg. The good news, they've increased that. It's now 225 meg. Woohoo, 75 yeah. extra meg. But how much does it cost now? No, no, but ch- price hasn't changed. That's okay. okay. But when you go over... The excess price has gone from three cents a meg to ten. Jeez, like that is That's a massive triple. hike in 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 wow. the cost, and I find it hard to believe that they can justify that, mate. They've added more countries. So there's a bunch of positive things about it, but the big negative is that excess price. Now, if you if you control your usage correctly, you'll be fine. But those messages of alerts about usage and stuff, they're not a hundred percent spot on the minute they happen. So you could easily go over and not know it. And you're paying 10 cents a meg now. That's a huge amount of money to have to pay for data usage. So I'm not suggesting people are going to come back with $10,000 bills here. I'm just suggesting you need to be very careful if you're roaming with Tolstra because their, their plans are much more based around buying a bunch of data and paying for whatever else you need. Whereas Vodafone, like CES, you know, I'll go to, I'll go to CES, I'll pay $50 for the 10 days that I'm in the US. Yep. I've got nine gig of data a month. Let's say I use a gig before I go and a gig before I get back. I can use seven gig of data in the States. I've it's got ridiculous. 12 gig of data on my Vodafone no, plan. No, and, no. I, and I've got to say, that's the reason I switched to Vodafone. Totally. That is the reason. I left yep. Telstra. I actually was in the Telstra store yeah. and asked them, what's my best option when I travel? Hmm. And I still remember it. I was at the East Gardens Telstra store. And the guy didn't even look up from his computer and said, oh, yeah, we've got a roaming pack. 70 bucks. <laughs> do, you, do your best. The passion was there. And I said, thanks very much. You made my decision to leave Telstra even easier. Yeah. So, And I still had like six, six months to go on my contract. Yeah. I said, I'm out. Went to Vodafone and now I'm paying five bucks a day. Yeah. But I did get stung in Dubai. And, and let's be clear, probably majority, let's call it 80% yeah. of people don't roam. Like yeah. don't, They don't want to travel. But for people who do travel, yeah. it's a tough call. It's essential. Yeah, but anyway, um, read, your text messages, read, read your text messages and read the terms and conditions when they buy those data packs. Let's get cracking with Stephen's Minute Review. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, Stephen, let's make them quick because I need a Coca-Cola and a trip to the emergency <laughs> department yeah. pretty quickly. Righto, first up, we are talking the D-Link Taipan modem router. Now, this is a cracker. Now, it is a V, it's an ADSL router, modem, sorry, with a router on board. So if, you, if you're a DSL customer... This will work. Even if you're an, an NBN customer. No, fibre to the node. FTTN, exactly right. Compatibility right there. Now, this is a beast of a router. It has six antennas. Very, It looks like a spacecraft. It's very aggressive styling. Now, this has got three bands of of uh, connectivity. You've got a 2.4 gigahertz band, two 5 gigahertz band. And what it basically can do on the fly is... 
is act like a bit of a traffic cop to your network where it can then determine the obviously the high-end stuff like streaming video uh, playing online games with the smart connect technology it can divert that traffic to the five gigahertz bands and it can also then to sort of the lower the lower intensity activities like just web browsing can divert that to the 2.4 gigahertz band and what I liked about it too is the fact that when you connect it it only creates one network so you're not looking at one network 2.4, another one 5, another one 5.1. It's just one network that you see. So under it does all this in the background without you having to pick and choose what network you want to go on. That's that's what I liked. I think it's a, it's also got a it's got a one dual core one gigahertz processor as well, and it's got the connectivity on the back where you got the you know, your four gigabit ports, two USB ports. One can be used to connect a printer. The other one can be used to connect a hard drive, so you can easily share them on the network as well. The only downside, I think, is that it's pretty expensive. You are getting a modem and a router in one, but it's it's five hundred and seventy nine ninety five, which is not cheap. But for your money, you are getting probably one of the best routers, modem routers on the market in terms of range, uh, in terms of speed. Uh, it does have eight hundred two eleven AC on board and all that technology that really just takes the guesswork out of it, takes the worry out of it, can connect all of your devices. And the network of today is a lot different and how we use it is a lot different. More devices, uh, more ways to use it in terms of streaming uh, high-definition video, streaming music. The way we're using it is a lot different and this is the device that can help you handle it. The Taipan from D-Link, the AC3200 Ultra Wi-Fi modem router. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, Stephen, I'm worried because what you said earlier as we wrote down <laughs> this next minute review is unexpected when it comes to the words Star Wars. Yeah, well, we're talking the Star Wars Battlefront game and, and there was so much hype before this game and you know, deservedly so. I think that the the game is, is good. The game is, is above average. It's not just good. It's, it's very good. Uh, my only criticism is that for anyone who's sort of going into this game thinking that they're going to play this really complex campaign, complex storyline, you're not. You choose your battles as all different locations and they look terrific. They sound just like the movies. You can choose characters and you can choose to be on the rebel, rebel side, on the Empire side. And if you're a Star Wars fan, it's as close to being in the movie as you're going to get. <laughs> My only criticism was that it's not like an on-rails Call of Duty game where there's this campaign that you follow. It's more you sort of you jump in and out of battles and, and look, there's ground battles. You're flying the the X-wing and the Millennium Falcon and Tie Fighters and all of that, which are great. Um, the, the multiplayer is pretty impressive. That's not in the Call of Duty class, but you, again, you get plenty of options for gameplay, plenty of uh, different maps and locations to choose from as well. Look, if you're a Star Wars fan, this is a no-brainer. Get this game. Even if you're not a gamer but a Star Wars fan, this is a great entry point into the gaming world. It does have all the characters, the music, the the uh, the vehicles to give you a true Star Wars experience in a game. Without a doubt, the best Star Wars game they've ever made. I expect a little bit more out of it, but look, I'm, I'm by no means am I saying it's a bad game. Uh, I, I quite enjoy playing it still. There are little areas that can be improved, but it's still going to have me spending hours in front of my PlayStation 4. And Trevor's uh, five-second reviews, Star Wars Battlefront, good but not great. Uh, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. 
All right, that's a wrap. We need to uh, go down and enjoy a cold Coca-Cola and um, the, the company of the highest executives within the Telstra Corporation who hopefully don't know that we've just bagged the crap out of their global roaming until we leave the building. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back again next week for another episode of Two Blokes Talking Tech. I may just go to the hospital after this. <laughs> Struggle, eh? <laughs>